Hulk Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed's weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places a dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 184 is recorded live January 2nd, 2014. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson from the cold part of the state of Michigan, getting colder. And joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well, thank you, and I'm trying to stay warm. Uh, that's good. Now, now, before the show, you were telling me that it's going to get a little chillier next week. What are they calling for? Um, minus 13. <laughs> well, that'll build a little ice. Yeah, and if you're out there <laughs> diving, once you get out, you better have you a... Uh, one of those little electric heaters or something, you can uh, dry or thaw out your zippers because you're going to need it. <laughs> you, just, you just might want to stay in the dry suit if that's what you're diving in. You may have to. Yeah, it's going to be warmer underwater by far than it will be above. Yeah, It'll, it's going to be hard to find a tender up there. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to bribe your tenders. Uh, I would say you might want to give them some whiskey, but you'll wait till after you're out of the water. <laughs> Otherwise, you could come up and find them. They just tied your line off to some uh, stump. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> or throw the line right in. Yeah, that would be bad. And I believe Jim is down in Florida. Jim Schultz is down in Florida. Hopefully, he's getting a dive in. I think he was planning on connecting with somebody down there. I believe he's looking for another muddy that now has uh, transplanted himself down there. Yeah. He's trying to be a corrupting influence, I see. Trying to tell us that we all need to come down there like he did well we can't do that because i hear that once you get used to that sort of what you call visibility something about colors and warm water none of that computes but i could see where it could spoil you so i gotta stay away from that stuff <laughs> and then uh shout out to uh, jim Kleeman who uh is doing much better he would he had uh had a little bit of surgery in a couple weeks ago and is doing good well that's good to hear i think we might even be able to get him in the water soon i was harassing him so well, let's go ahead and jump on into the news. I'd like to thank everybody's in the chat room tonight. We have Mike and Paul and Dave out there listening to us. And, and I gotta, I'm got in a multi-computer system transition, so unfortunately I'm not getting the show notes over there. So I need to figure out something. What I'm thinking about doing is uh, having people who sign up to our newsletter. If you sign up to the newsletter right before the show goes live, we'll put the show notes in there and you're going to be able to get it. Paul says it's 66 degrees Fahrenheit in Florida right now. I don't know how they stand it. Yeah. I bet those guys are wearing windbreakers and stuff outside. <laughs> At least. So first one up is we have a scuba diver injured by a boat propeller. This is on Lake Worth Lagoon in uh, Riviera Beach, Florida. One person was sent to the hospital after scuba divers run over by a boat in Lake Worth Lagoon Wednesday morning. It was just before 11 a.m. when the di diver was clipped by a boat propeller. It's unclear what part of the body was injured. Uh, witnesses say that uh, uh, an ambulance uh, took him off and he looked to be in good shape. He was alert, conscious, and looking like he was doing okay. So just, just as a reminder, make sure that you know what that dive flag is. Tell your friends what the dive flag is. And Mac, do you do what I do whenever you hear that boat motor? It could be two miles away. You always kind of duck your head down. 
I think most of us do that. And I do know that if I'm coming up by my dive flag and I hear a boat motor, I usually don't come all the way up because they're probably using it for a turning pylon. <laughs> That's true. They could be. We have had one of our divers uh, that was in a swim area just, you know how they buoy him off, said this is the swim area? Yeah. They had just entered the swimming area that was maybe five foot deep. They had just come up, turned to the right, and got hit dead center in the back of the yoke with a the guy with solemn skiing. And you know how they like to get there and go and get everybody on the shore wet? Oh, yeah. Hit that right by his regulator, knocked him down, but hit the regulator in the top of the tank. Otherwise, it would have hit him in the head. He'd have been a dead guy. Wow. I mean, he's got a flag. He's in a swimming area and gets hit by a skier. So it's just not the boat people you need to let know what the flag means. Uh, anybody who's out in the water, actually. Well, how many times did we talk last year about Richard was out there? He's down there enjoying himself over at Eagle Lake, and then suddenly he's being jerked around the bottom and towed. People by that had been drinking in a pontoon had gone by, lassoed his, his, his flag assembly, and was dragging it up into the boat while still underway. Remember that one? Yeah. Was that the one where he said they were a little upset when he came up with the flag? Yeah, yeah. Like, the, like he should have given it up because they, they earned it? <laughs> uh, that, that's when you wish you had a spear gun <laughs> now it's when you wish you had a flashbang anyway hmm. the, back to the injured diver there the only mm -hmm. bad thing I'm going to follow up here even by looking around on scuba board we couldn't find any re final report on what the damage was done to the individual yeah we, we don't know if it was just a minor wound or if it ended up being fatal We just, you know, yeah. it's hard to tell Basically, observe caution. You got the noise. You might want to stay down a little bit. Yeah. And then in uh, Peoria, Peoria, Arizona, when I say Peoria, I was thinking Illinois, um, they have a Christmas tree reef started. It's a collection of Christmas trees. They said we have a nice reef assortment at the bottom with an archway and a wall of Christmas trees. He says eventually underwater, the needles of the trees will fall off, and it's what's left that would be the tree itself. The branches and the formation of the trees create a wonderful habitat for fishing, and the fish all spawn here. This is a start of a pilot program they had in the county where trees could be dropped in the lake, but they said it's not allowed anymore. wonder what that, what that was about, why they don't want to let it go in anymore. Pollution? From a Christmas tree? Hey. I mean, look how many we find in the river. Uh, I got asked that question the other day when we we're out doing the ice dive. Guy came by and says, uh, do you ever run into trees down there? And we said, yeah. About Christmas trees? Yeah. Are those a problem? No. Uh, you know, I said the habitat for the fish, especially in the uh, 10, 15-foot area, gives, gives them a place to hide. So he was just curious if that was legal or not because they'd been doing it for years. And they thought they'd ask the diver if he ever came up across them. You know, I don't think uh, I was... I've seen one. Now, maybe I haven't. I just didn't realize it. Well, Lake 16 has the Christmas tree area off to the side. Well, I, I've seen it in quarries because you know, Gilboa has had the same thing. Uh, but I, I don't think I've seen one in the river before. Well, there's one in, uh, like I said, Lake 16, and we've got them in the river down there where we're diving now. And, of course, Barren Lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's a good idea. Maybe there does need to be a limit on them, but... Uh, it, it's like, you know, you got the river and you got all these trees falling in the river from the bank erosion and they're worried about a few Christmas trees. Uh, the article in here talked about, well, the pollution aspect, take a bunch of trees, use a lot of plastic and wire, that could cause pollution issue over time. Well, 
use biodegradable wire, not wire, but uh, twine, yeah. stuff that if they're concerned about that will, you know, go away, yeah. be dissolved. So I'm, I don't know what they really had a problem with. Just probably change of administration. You had one group who thought it was okay, next one doesn't. Yeah, there might be somebody out there who's listening to us that will educate us. Yeah, let us know. You can send us an email at the show at scubobsess.com and we'll give you credit or not credits, whatever the case may be. Yeah, the only other item I could think of is a lot of times they do uh, spray the Christmas trees with a item or some kind of product that helps make them flame resistant. So I don't know if that is detrimental to the fish or not and or if that, you know, it comes out off into a solution because you're underwater or not. That's, I don't know about that part. Well, they could just have a ruling saying that, you know, here's the conditions of it. You know, no tinsel. All ornaments must be taken off the tree. Yeah. I mean, they're biodegradable. Yeah. Maybe they're putting out plastic trees or something. Yeah, somebody could be. It would stay. In keeping with a post-Christmas theme, we have 175 scuba diving Santas break the, rec the record at Vobster Quay. And I remember we covered this one last year. Uh, they were going to do it again this year and try and break the record, and it looks like they did with 175. And it uh, looks like that must be a requirement because they're all dressed in fluffy beards, red coats, and red jackets. They said the money, is to raise, uh, the money raised goes to the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, the RNLI, smashing a world record in the process. I'd like to have seen a picture of them all together after the dive. Yeah, because right now they look all nice and fluffy. I imagine after. After the dive, they probably look a little wet. A little scruffy, I would think. Yeah. They said it's in their seventh year. They've raised nearly 30,000 pounds. This year they raised 4,200 pounds with funds still coming in. We had some amazing prizes up for grabs this year, and we'd like to thank everyone who donated. The rest has come through sponsorship collected by individual divers, which is fantastic effort on their part. They collected their money, so we expect a total rise, and we're confident to hit the 5,000-pound target. Well, that's a lot of work by a lot of people, and they're doing it for a good cause. Yeah. Now, I was talking with somebody, and this individual said that he thought it would be possible to do better. That's a lot of people. <laughs> well, and the other thing is it's not only a lot of people, it's a lot of costumes. A lot you of money. Have, you have to have 175, you know, maybe that's a requirement. You have to bring your own Santa costume to participate. But that that is a lot. That's a lot. It, it'd be fun to try. Maybe I'll have to do a poll, see if we can get enough people interested. But I'd like to guy. I'd like to be the guy in the middle to the right with the yellow suit. That would be cool. I like that one. Yeah. Well, that doesn't look like a Santa. That looks no, like a. But you gotta have the odd duck. I mean, I'd yeah. be the odd duck. <laughs> but that would be a lot of fun, though. That would people. be any any time you can get that many people together. And I wonder what the conditions are. Do they all have to be underwater at the same time? Well, I'm looking out there, and that looks a little bit chilly out there too. People in the background definitely have coats and stuff on. So that's not like a swimming pool, like a lot of people would have these events, and that looks like out in the real in the oh, real yeah. world. Yeah, this is in the UK, so they they got they get some nippy weather like we get here. Well, I see one guy off to the right's got a dry suit on. I see the reindeer, I like that one, and the elf. And then I got another guy off to the left who's got a dry suit on with a, a hat. So I assume the people have the suits on under them. Yeah, I would think so. You know, wear my chaps or something. I still like to see that, though, with the beard and the regulator, and that could get a little awkward. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see some water shots. Yeah, we'll have to look around. I bet you there's some photos out there. Ah. And then if 175 scuba Santas isn't enough for you, you could have scuba diving lawyers. 
Now, they're probably going to have a lot of jokes on this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there were so many coming into my mind as I was reading this. And uh, without reading the story completely, it goes on about how uh, some a, a lawyer got his certification as love diving. He was actually an instructor for a while and ended up in the last two years he's had a dive club of nothing but lawyers. So And it's called the Dive Bar. And that was when they were attending the Nova Southeastern University Law School. Uh, our uh, activities are never boring. Some people have said, I've gotten referrals through friends. I've made it a dive bar because I let you know who I really am. When you go to some networking events and you meet people for a cocktail after work, it doesn't necessarily share anything in common with them, but you really don't get to know them. But when you're on a dive boat with someone or you're on a trip for a long weekend, you get to know people in such a more substantial way. As a result, they come to trust my judgment and refer a client to me much more than they would if it was just me and a 45 minutes of networking function. So they're, they're even working while they're diving. Now, now, I wonder if they're billing their clients for this. Of course not. <laughs> it's not going to show up in an invoice. Well, you know, hydrotherapy have, or. You know, as a club, though, they are doing some good things. The uh, Dive Heart Foundation they support. Excellent. And they, they were talking about the uh, American Cancer Society's there and see Relay for Life. So it doesn't sound like they're just out there for the sport. They're using some of their hard-earned money to support other activities. Yeah, and then in May they uh, the they organized a trip to Belize where they dove with sharks. So is that like, I mean, I'm talking about the underwater kind, the uh, whale sharks, not just. Oh, okay. Didn't say anything about bottom feeders, did they? No. <laughs> so, but that's that just goes to show that if you're have an activity, I mean, it, we'd just be happy to get you know 12 new divers, let alone lawyers. But uh, in some heavily populated area, it's a, probably a good excuse to to get out and do some diving. Yeah. As if you need an excuse, get out there and go diving. Yeah. So we've got Santa's underwater, we got lawyers underwater, and then we have a scuba diving club holds an underwater fancy dress circus. Divers from Bolton uh, were themed in their latest diving trip. Uh, they were at the Camperway Diving Center in Lancaster for an underwater circus diving event. The members of the group will meet at the Brownlow Business Park dressed in clowns, lion tamers, while walking tightropes and juggling. It's a good chance for everyone to get together and have fun whilst trying something new underwater. Now, I can see the walking the tightrope because that would be fun, but how do blazes do you juggle underwater? I have no idea on juggling underwater. That does not seem possible. I mean, for us, you know, under the ice, you can take the skis and ski upside down. You can use a tricycle. You can ski, you know, with the regular ski poles and stuff. But juggling, I don't understand that one. That would be fun, though. Well, actually, I do. Remember, Coach, when you had those bowling balls, you can toss them back and forth really nice. No, you could probably get three of those bowling balls going. You might be able to. They said they do it. It was a good chance of getting everyone together and have fun. Uh, We usually do something fun at Christmas. In the past, we had an underwater disco, but it was suggested that because some of the members in the group can do some circus training. The Bolton Area Divers has more than 250 people signed up to the group and on lookout for new members. Anyone interested in coming along? And they give their contact information, which we'll have in the show notes. It would be nice to have some actual video. That would be pretty cool to look at. Yeah. Yeah, they give, they give us a few photos. But, yeah, we'd like to see some video on that. 250 then, people. That's, that's great, though. Yeah, good membership. I'd like to get anything for 250 people. Yeah. And if you're a dive professional, Guy Harvey is recruiting top Caribbean and U.S. diving operations. 
what they're doing is they're, is they're organizing dive shops and branding them. They're going to be Expedition Dive Outfitters of Guy Harvey Outpost. And they go on and on. This is, this is somewhat written as a press release. Well, the bottom line is it's like networking and trying to combine other activities. I think their word here said the ultimate goal of the Expedition Outfitters program is to marry top-of-the-class dive operator, operators with outpost hotel offerings, whether signature resorts or smaller expedition collection lodges and boutiques. I normally don't hear the word boutiques associated with diving. but No, but I, I could see that. That's just kind of a niche if you've got something unique and special. Well, and, and uh, standard, wherever you go, that's like McDonald's. You go to McDonald's, you know what you got. If you yeah. had this kind of operation in the Caribbean versus... Uh, Mexico or Hawaii, you'd know what to expect and what you should get. Well, that's what Patty was doing with the five-star centers. And um, was it National Geographic, which I think they've since stopped doing that, but National Geographic used to have their dive centers. So it's it's not necessarily a new idea. I haven't really seen it done consistently because Patty, I mean, I'm not saying that anything negative about it, but it didn't seem like it was too tough to be a five-star dive center. It's like stars. You know, what do you have to, what's the difference between a three-star, four-star, and a five-star? How much it, money it cost? Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's, uh, it needs to be something special. And then the other thing is that can actually work against you if you have something that's a little prestigious. It's pre- prestigious, easy for me to say. Uh, then people are going to also assume that that comes with expense. Yeah. So you, you have to balance that perception of being expensive with quality, which so far in the dive industry, I don't think I've seen uh, from shops. It's interesting. Now, what is quality in diving, though? Well, uh, well, to me, you got you're going to have certain element which is going to be better business business bureau type of stuff. Are they a reputable operation? Are they going to steal your money? Are they going to live up to uh, do what they say they're going to do? Uh, then the then the other part of it is the equipment. How good is the equipment? Are they maintaining it? You know, when you when you rent something, is it? You know, we've all heard sto- horror stories of somebody renting a regulator and it. You know, they have problems out in the dive boat. Uh, you know, do they stand behind it? Do they have extra equipment if they're both the uh, the outfitter and the dive charter? And do they have good quality air? Yes. Yeah, as we talked about last week, are they are you getting oxygen and or in exactly what you want in your your tank as opposed to some of the things you might not? No. So the, yeah, there's some there's definitely some opportunity, a certain level of minimum standards. Now, Patty had a good article. This last week on their website, they uh, highlighted some scuba diving jobs from Cirque du Soleil out in Las Vegas. And I didn't realize it, but in some of the shows, like they have one uh, Cirque du Soleil show, they have 14 divers in the water, including four artist handlers, two dive com uh, who have full face masks on. The dive coms relay information about the show to the platform, which they call the Crow's Nest. That overlooks the pool and stage management, which maintains continuity of the show. Artist handlers are responsible for swimming them either on or off stage to their next cue. And then they also have underwater stage hands so in this show. Well, that pool looks to be 20 foot deep. And if you're going up and down a lot, you better have some good equalization on your ears. But it does look like it's going to be warm and good visibility. You'd hope it'd be warm. But yeah, I, like, think, I was going to say the gal on the bottom, uh, I think I'd want to hang around her a lot because she's going to need a lot of air. <laughs> well, that's that's true. Well, the, you've got them all because I haven't seen one of these shows. I would love to go and see it. But they've got one, two, three, four, five divers 
or not divers, uh, performers, all standing like on each other's shoulders. And the bottom one is getting a little bit of air. But it seems that there's, and I'm sure they go through this training, but there seems to be a little bit of risk. If you're taking, if you're uh, a free diver and you're taking air off a regulator, that's that's under pressure. Where normally yeah. when, when you're a free diver you're, or breath hold, you're taking air from the surface and going down. So there's little risk. But oh. when you're, you're breathing, so I'm, I'm sure they, they're going through some sort of training that way. Yeah. If you look in that picture of the guy, look to the right just a little bit, and then all the way to the back, you can see two divers by some other people. So this is pretty crowded in there. Yeah. You know, they said there's 14 divers in the water at one time, just, just on this one performance. It seems like they're cheating, though. They've got suits on. These other gals don't have the same type <laughs> of suits. No, they've, they've got, I would call them skins. A very nice skin. Yeah. But I, I think I'm, there's more skin than skins. That's okay by me. <laughs> uh, they also said that uh, some other careers they are there is they have is uh, in Vegas. They have a lot of uh, fountains that need work on and pools. So there's a lot I'd of be activity the there. Collect all the quarters and stuff. Yeah. Well, they, they, I've I've watched shows. Where they've had people vacuum those you know vacuum those up for a living. And then. Um, what else or something they they had some good advice about just your career uh he said uh suggest getting plenty of training he said train train and train do whatever you can to make yourself more marketable and give yourself the extra edge over the next person and he was a patty dive master when we went over and started working on this well my internet explorer just stopped so my pictures all just <laughs> all that all that work prepping them up well this next article is on a dolphin megapod which has been seen for the first time in pictures. And what a megapod is, is 3,000 to 5,000 spinner dolphins all grouping together. And they've been able to get film underwater the first time for a BBC series called Dolphin, Spy in the Pod. And they did this by two robotic spy creatures with cameras in their mouth and eyes, viewing the dolphins gathering and doing socialization. And uh, that is a lot of dolphins all in one area. It's, it's funny you have this. I saw this... Um, maybe two weeks ago, they had a short snip on this and from a helicopter. It's like, wow, it was freaking amazing to see that many fish, big ones, that close together. It's like Rio de Janeiro for dolphins. Then. They all go down and for a, a party. Chase boat that was trying to get ahead of them so they could do these pictures. Uh-huh. And the divers were a little bit skitters. It's like all of a sudden you turn around and getting hit you know, with a school of fish is one thing. But these guys are pretty healthy, you know. Pretty hefty. Well, they they can kill sharks. Did, now, did you see the uh, the one photo? It's about the fifth or sixth one in where they show the decoy fish. It looks a little uh, cartoony. That blue looking thing. Yeah. Yeah, spike tuna. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't quite look natural. Maybe it's because I know. That's true. And then another article on the same story. Uh, they said that they caught adolescent dolphins chewing on puffer fish. They said the fish secrete a toxin, which gives the dolphins a buzz. And they noticed the dolphins passing the puffer fish around. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said that he notes that the dolphins were in a translate state, hanging around with their noses at the surface, as if fascinated by their own reflections. <laughs> There's going to be a law about that. Yeah, you can't let dolphins do that. Well, did you see that other part? They're, the, they're not the only animals caught getting high. Talked about moose have, for many years, been observed getting drunk by eating fermented apples. Yeah. Well, we used to have birds in our yard. They, they, I think it was a mulberry tree or something. They would, 
if it wasn't mulberry, it was something else, but there was, it'd be late in the season and they'd have fermented on the tree. The birds would swarm down. It seemed like in about 20 minutes they would pick the tree clean and there'd be 15 to 20 that'd be flopping around the driveway drunk off their mind. <laughs> if the cat, when the, the ones the cats didn't get were able to fly off and continue on. Did they fly straight? No, I mean sometimes they didn't make it for that reason too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were pretty. They get pretty drunk. Said so the high dolphins won't make an appearance until the second episode airs on January 9th. and it premieres. Actually, what's is today? Is that today? Yeah, today. Exactly. Yeah, it's premiering today. I don't know if that's on the UK or if we're going to get it here. But well, that sort of goes in today's paper thing, doesn't it? Where legalization of marijuana. Yeah. yeah. Was it Colorado? Colorado. Yeah, Colorado, they had legalization. Well, they had, uh, I think they've had it for medical for a little bit, but this is the first city that's been doing it for recreational. Well, you know, they, they were talking to some of the people and getting quotes. So in the paper, this guy's giving a quote and how glad he's got it. And, you know, he doesn't feel like a criminal now. He's blah, blah, blah. He gave his full name and where he lives, and he lives in Niles. So, like, right off the bat, you're on their list for known marijuana person who probably got the stuff and I'm sure would not sell any when he got back to Niles. Yeah. Now, when you say Niles, is that somebody from Michigan drove? Yeah, Niles, Michigan. So I, I think I'd be careful of what I told people there. Yeah. Well, the, there was another article I was reading on it, and they said that there are limo services that what you're doing is for out-of-state people. They're renting the limos, and they have like how you have a wine sommelier. They have yeah. a hot sommelier. <laughs> who will go in for you and they'll give a selection bag. So you just drive around, the, drive around, ride around. Hopefully you're not driving, right around the, the area in these limos. And so nobody ever sees who you are. Yeah, yeah, they were talking about one of their big products is discretion. Discretion. Well, they don't want to have, you know, a stigma. Yeah. So no they just keep it yeah. quiet. Now, Vegas, I can understand. Yeah, well, Colorado. Did you read, they, did you read the uh, feedback on that article at the bottom of the page? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, what'd they say? It, it, it rotated right in what we're talking about. It's time to ban pufferfish. <laughs> <laughs> Some yeah. of them are pretty good, though, the write ups we get here. So long and thanks for all the fish. Uh, that's a Douglas Adam reference. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just go right in the same track we were just on. Yes, they were. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get tech again. Now you're talking drones? Oh, I'm going to have to get that article back. I, it, that one crashed on me. Let's see if I can get that one up. Those container ships are freaking amazing, but I can sure see how they get tossed around in big storms and why you'll be out there in the middle of nowhere and you'll see this container floating around in the middle of the ocean. Oh, yeah. And just look at the size of them. Yeah, they said the next revolution in cargo will be container ship drones. Rolls-Royce says that drone container ships will be the next big thing in drone technology. And they said despite fears around pirate attacks, to me I thought that they would be less susceptible to pirate attacks. Because pirate attacks many times is for ransom. Yeah. If there's nobody on the ship, you don't have anybody to ransom. And if you totally block off the control section, the most they could do is maybe toss some of the uh, containers overboard. Right. I mean, there's not. And then you have to have somebody to negotiate with. It just seems like to me that drones would be less likely to be to have pirate attacks. Yeah. Plus, and you can get pretty extreme in some of your anti-boarding things. I mean, just, uh, you know, you could put 
you know, any of the inside passageways where people might go, you could just gas them. Yeah, lead them down the merry path. Or you could do is you just do the outside of container ships, kind of like a big bug zapper. Just have a you know a couple of <laughs> high voltage fences, and then they start climbing up the side, it zaps them, and they fall in the water. Yeah, I'd get their attention. Yeah, see, I could work for this. I could work for Rolls Royce. Well, they're going back to that thing, you know, if you want to increase the minimum wage, let's go back to robotics and uh, minimize it. So we don't need no stinking sailors. No. Who cares the minimum wage is if you don't have anybody you're paying? The idea of a remote-controlled ship is not new. It's been around for decades, but the difference is the technology now exists. It's happening in other industries. It's only logical that it should happen in marine. Weren't we talking about this the other day, or did I just read it, where the boaters are out there where there is no shipping lines, or maybe they're out there where the shipping lines or lanes are, and uh, people who have these big yachts on autopilot are zipping around, not seeing the people who are in the water and running over them, meaning kayakers, sailboats. So if you're out in the middle of this, for whatever reason, you're becalmed, this big boat comes at you, how do they avoid hitting something that's not supposed to be there. I I hear what you're saying, but I don't think they do, actually. I've always been told that, yeah, the smaller vessel and the wind-powered vessels have the right-of-way, but I've also heard everybody say if it's longer than 100 feet, it's got the (laughs) right-of-way. Well, who's going to argue with it? I mean, you're out there in your Volkswagen, you got a Mack truck coming down the highway at you. Are you going to move? Yeah, I bet you are. If you can. Yeah. If these guys can't stop on a dime. No. Nope. And then there's, there would be, I would think on these, uh, you're going across the ocean. So what would make sense is that you'd have to have within so many miles of the shore or port, it'd have to have a pilot on board. So what I imagine is you'd have you'd have a chase boat that would come out and pick up the, the at a 50, 50 miles off. But still, that would save them a lot of money. And a lot of your ports require yeah. pilots anyway. But like you said, in the yachts, that, that kind of brings it up. Some... Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, they can't. You'd have to have somebody on board. I mean, the circuit breaker goes pop. you got to have some guy to walk around and reset the circuit breaker. And that, like you said, if you're going to have a pilot come on board, you got to have somebody there to direct them to where you're going to be. You can get rid of a lot of people, but you're still going to have to have people on board. I know, and you said you have to have somebody on board. My mind flashed uh, Tom Cruise and Risky Business for some reason. But uh, as far as yachts go, I think it's been a problem for a while because it – you can put those on autopilot real easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a common. And then Holland. The ice stops the annual scuba dive in the Holland Channel. So this is up by us, Holland, Michigan. And we've done this New Year's Day dive a few times. In fact, it was on our calendar. Yeah. If I can get the Holland Sentinel to stop spamming me with pop-ups. I've got a number myself. Yeah, that's irritating. Um, uh, they gathered Wednesday at the Alex Sports and Scuba in Zealand. I wasn't even, are you familiar with that shop? I haven't been to that one, but I've been to the dive, uh, that we're going to have munchies and stuff there. It was, uh, bring a plate to pass. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I put a note that they had canceled it on our, on our, uh, club site. And the picture they sent was really good because we normally dive it and we have dove it with ice flows out there, yeah, which can get a little tricky, uh, you don't want you want a big inner tube when you're out there, but uh, this time it was broken pieces, but it was almost there was no open water. You really wouldn't want to go down because that space you went down would probably close up really good. Yeah, it's you don't want to be in the middle of a ice jam. No. Uh, they said that the New Year's dive was a bit of a tradition for the first time in eight years, and they've been doing the dive for 15 years. 
that they were not able to dive. Now, Tim Marr, I, I, I dove with him. Yeah. They said instead of diving Wednesday, the group gathered for a standard after-dinner, after-dive party at the shop. They said the party always has lots of food. Uh, they had some homemade beer and wine and a heater, even though the heater really wasn't needed this year. Now, they didn't get in the water, but I heard another dive club got in the water for New Year's. Well, you know those buddies. I hear so. I hear they're a little bit on the crazy side, <laughs> or some of the members are. I don't know. Yeah. I know a lot of them are old, old farts. Yeah, you didn't That's hear me. Dis- yeah, you didn't hear me disagree at all. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, why don't we go ahead and talk about that? Um, so that this is the Mud Club's traditional annual ice dive. So you go in the water on New Year's Eve, then you come out the next year, so you get to say you dove all year. Absolutely. Now, how many people did we have this year? We only had four guys in the water. Uh, Bob was going to die, but he didn't want to, uh, with his rebreather, for the time we're going to spend, it was a lot more uh, effort than it was really worth to use the rebreather. So he came out and tended, which was very much appreciated. You, you mean that he couldn't use an open circuit? Well, he could, but he's loaned a lot of his gear out to people. Oh. So by all the people who have different parts of his gear, he didn't have anything available. Uh, like his his wings are both out. Uh, I think he just did get his regulators back from being redone. Mm-hmm. But it worked out well for us. Yeah, always always good to have some shore support, especially when doing an ice dive. Well, it's, it's not nice to. It's for, I mean, you need that shore support. And you got to have two people up there holding the lines. Yeah. So, so you were going uh, tethered together, so two divers yeah. on a line? Yeah. yeah. Now, again, for, for new people, I wouldn't do it that way. But for the guys who dove, we've been doing it for a long time. We used a regular one line with a uh, Y off the, off the center line to two divers. And the divers were already knowledgeable of each other. and We dove together like that. And you had your line pulls, really simple type. And obviously, you worked with your tender. And again... It's always best when you have tenders, make sure they're divers and have dove under the ice so they have a, a feel and a relationship for what you're doing and what you want. Yeah. Well, I, well, I know. didn't Jake, wasn't he one of the tenders? Yes, Jake tended for Mary Beth and I. I figured that was a vested interest because that was his wife. <laughs> yeah. I think he went for Pat. <laughs> well, you, well, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was there because whether you did or not, she was coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Because I wouldn't come back if she didn't. Yeah, now she dove in a wetsuit, didn't she? Yes, she did. Uh, she's been out there in the river with us the last couple of dives. And one, the only female, and the only one, because this last couple of dives, I've been driving uh dry suit. I know that it goes against the grain, but yes, what can I say? Yeah, so you've gone to the dark side, but Mary Beth, so good for her sticking in there. Yep, uh, she wore that extra hood this time. I had the zippy hood, and I kept her head from doing the brain freeze. And uh, it was unusual. It was so freaking cold out there, though. I think out of the four divers, at least three of us had the um, inflators for the BCs totally yep. freeze. Oh. oh, I mean, just totally freeze. And part of that was from the snow because we we started out with freaking blizzard. So you couldn't keep the snow from all the hoses and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I had a free flow as soon as I went down. Did it right, but it just said to heck with it. So I just breathed through the free throw or, you know, breathe. Free flow is fine. You can breathe through it. Yeah. I mean, for 10 minutes, shallow, work fine. Yeah. Uh, visibility was great. Oh, really? Uh, it was really nice. We had lots of lights. 
Uh, you can be down here. I took strobes down on the line. Uh, Bob had his high def light. I had his old one. And with those in there, you can see very, very well. So we're getting set up to do a Singer Lake one this month. Oh, excellent. I think we're going to have a fantastic time. Well, the nice thing about that is that it's real impressive looking at the photos. You can see the photos on mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. And because it's a, you're going out at how many hours past dark? Well, we, we started early. Uh, we went out and did the uh, clean out the area, did the triangle already, put up the markers so nobody would accidentally go in it, uh, did the circle. Did the shovel and one of the ones you can you can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, then we took our our baby pontoon with us, and that was going to be our uh, safety vessel. And it also gave us a place that we put tanks and stuff on. We left some of our lines out there at the time. Then we came out that evening, set up the generators and the lights. And yeah, you can do it without it, but man, the lights really make it nice. Uh, oh yeah. And with the snow, the only disadvantage this year is you had to go down the hill a little bit. So sleds were a necessity, and going down wasn't a problem. Getting back up the hill after the dive was a real pain in the butt. You know how that is. Oh, yeah. And I think the average temperature was about 4 degrees. Yeah. But I, I do think the lights are a requirement, really, just for safety. Cause it makes a big, big difference. Yeah, because you can get water on the, on top of the ice, and uh, that hold, you might, the edge might not be real clear, and you know things can go bad real quick. So that well, that's one thing about if you take a you know a line ten foot line weight it bend in the aft corner put your strobe light now mm-hmm. you got a, a reference but no one's diving without the line anyway but it was still a nice little come home note with oh, the yeah. light like that it's always go towards the light because you can see yeah. the light under the hole you know down at yeah. the bottom so so how deep was the water where you ended up putting the hole in uh, we only put it in about sixty paces from shore which has made it about sixteen seventeen feet. So getting in, even with the fins and stuff, you didn't muck up the bottom. So when you did get in, you had this. So that was that was nice. Now, were, were there any lazy fish hanging around that you saw? Uh, no, I was mostly concentrating on uh, uh, Mary Beth. So she got in, her line on her BC fill popped off, and she went a little heavy <laughs> because Ooh. she normally, you know, with the extra hood. Mm-hmm. Well, then she didn't have any buoyancy for that, and with the wet. But, again, with the line on her and stuff, it wasn't a big deal. I just grabbed the arm, and she was only just a maybe a pound negative. Yeah. Yeah, but, but if you're not if you're not real comfortable and it's a – I mean, this is a – this is has she done a night dive before? She's done zero vis dives. Yeah. And it's really the same thing. But I yeah. never let her go more than five foot from the hole, and I had her the whole time. And then I made sure Jake had the line just a little slack in it. So if I yanked that once or twice, I'd have his attention real quick. Now, that's, many, and that second picture down, you can see Mary Beth. That's the one with the, the yellow poly lines right there in the yeah, corner. Yeah. That's Mary Beth there. I'm right behind her. And then uh, Larry's all the way in the back corner, and Ken's on the right-hand side. So we stayed left. They stayed to the right, so we didn't interfere with the lines. And um, on the where it says four in the water, Mary Beth and I are right under that corner to the back. And you can see people were saying, well, where's the line for the other divers? Well, you can barely see it in the corner down into the water. So we did have tenders for everybody. Yeah. The lines always seem to find their way in the corner and cut a slot. Yeah. And that's why you've got to be careful. We also made sure the tenders all had spikes on. Yeah. Oh, did you, were, state, you, I'm sorry, what? I was going to say, were, were you able to see the spikes that I was talking about? No. The hardware store? 
oh yes i did uh no i went back and got cleats like i had i found my other ones in the uh, cold water gearbox okay so i'm sure the tenders had those on and we we had all our safety gear out there but uh, we're gonna have a good time on the next one we're gonna do we're gonna do the full piggy and uh we're gonna invite the local rescue squad out to see if they'd like to do a civilian dive meaning no combo we'll see how mm-hmm. they do on the tether yeah but yeah, we should is. have some good ice, and we should have some good time at Lake 16 this year. Yeah. So the, so the next one's going to be Singer Lake and then Lake 16? Yeah, that sounds like the plan at this point. Yeah, because I was on Singer Lake, and the ice didn't even seem bouncy. So that's uh, – I'm ex- and how many inches did you have there at Barron? We had about four inches, and that was solid, clear ice. Yeah. See, Singer wasn't clear. It looked like the uh, ice had had about two inches of slush on it, but that slush was rock hard. And I don't know how deep the ice was below it. Nobody had been out yet with an auger, and this was as of uh, New Year's Eve. Well, out there at Barron, you had quite a number of uh, ice fishermen out there. When we set up during the daytime, there was, in our area, there was one not even 100 yards from us. Uh, then there was three off to the right-hand side off on the point. Uh, so, And they were doing good. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but the one guy caught a 10-pounder. He wow. was very, very happy. How do you get that out of the hole? You have to make sure you have a big enough hole for that. Uh, obviously, he did. Nice. So, yeah, so we, we're not skunked with ice diving this year. We've already got one in. Well, we actually had some last week, <laughs> only it was in the river ice. Oh, well, tell us about that dive. Well, the, we last week wasn't the big one, but the week before we had ice uh, on the shoreline. Oh, uh, you know, okay. you've been out there when we've had shore ice. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you can break times. through it. Yeah, and there's no big flows coming down the river. Well, I've I've yeah. been out there where we dove the uh, turning basin where there was ice out in the river, and the basin was about the only thing open. Yeah, and you don't want to go out in the current out there under the other ice without a tether and a line and a tender. Yeah, because you can easily... Get carried away. Yep. Mm. Get carried away. But it was good. Like I said, there was four, four divers. Uh, we had uh, three tenders. Uh, Lucy was topside also to help out. And uh, we had uh, Jake's grandson was out, and he actually took the pictures that you see. He had a couple of them that were a little, uh, a little movement, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you take a lot, you get a couple. So we got some, which was very nice of him to do that. Yes. And we came up and we had people all over the freaking area to come out and see what the heck is going on out there at midnight with lights on the surface. <laughs> so, and most of them stayed way away from the hole. Good. Yeah. And I think they thought we were a little crazy. Well, that goes without saying. Yeah. Now, speaking of crazy, how many of these have you done? Uh, this is 35th consecutive one, so I haven't missed one yet. Larry's got 34. He missed one maybe 20 years ago when his sister got married. Oh. So I think we've made the most. I've done them all, and Larry, I think, is next. I don't think anybody else is even close. I'd be surprised if anybody is close. There's not too many people who have been members that long. Well, Ed's been around, Carl's been around, but they're not diving anymore. Yeah. But we've got a good number that's had at least 10, maybe 15 even, because Ken's been on a, a, at least 10. I'd have to go take a look in the books. And Schultz has made a good number for us, but I think those are the, the longest. Mm-hmm. Bob's, of course, as long as he's been here, he's been diving with us. Yep. So he's got a good number. But I don't think the other ones have got over 15 maybe. Well, that's nice when you get uh, some of our newer divers doing that activity. Well, we'll start you off slow and work our way up. And then um, since we couldn't go anywhere, uh, SAS did not have theirs. 
because uh, it was frozen over at Gull. Holland didn't have it. And by the time I got up, it was too late to go to the quarry because I had really considered that. So Larry and them went kayaking. <laughs> <laughs> we put <laughs> ice skates in the bottom of the kayak? No, they actually had some open open water. And depending on where you're at, you're going to actually get some kayaking. And they got about an hour and a half worth. Well, there you go. So what's our next planned outing? Anything planned for this weekend? Uh, I got IDPA this weekend, so I will okay. down at the Conservation Club. But after that, I'll be, when do you go back to work? I'm back to work. Today was my oh, first day back. That sucks. Uh, it is. It does. Well, I was going to try to get some stuff in on Sunday so uh, Mr. Meester could dive. And if others aren't available, I'll start shifting over to Sunday so mm-hmm. get out there. I think he got this year himself probably 70 dives in. Well, he did really good then. Yeah, he was doing a lot of uh, training was, dives. Yeah, he was doing some tech dives. So He was getting a lot of technical training for himself, and then he uh, worked with Bob doing students. Mm-hmm. But, hey, water is water, whether it's work-related or fun. Yep. So now it's that it's 2014, do you have any New Year's resolutions that are dive-related? Yeah, dive more. <laughs> so how many would more be? Uh, a couple of times a week would be nice. Oh, that would be. And then multiple tanks on those days. <laughs> There's so many darn things I want to do out there. It's like it, it's really a matter of equipment and money because oh. I still like to find the bomber. At mm-hmm. least we did make a good effort this year of getting out there looking for it. I want to relocate that darn barge out there by the cook plant, the 60-footer, or the one in 60-foot of water. Uh, we want to go back out and uh, see if we can do a better survey of the clay banks over there by Grand Muir. Yeah. And, uh, well, if we could find that airplane, that would be nice, the bomber and that barge. I'd be content for the air for that. Now, obviously, if we found the Chikora, that would be the bestest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to get creative this year with finding stuff. We need need a benefactor who, who would give him all the credit. That's all. I mean, your money, you get to call it what you want, but wouldn't mind a little monetary support. There's got to be some billionaires sitting around that would just love to give us some money. <laughs> well, doesn't have to give. You, you'll get something for your money. I mean, you get the credit for anything we find. You, if just, nothing else, I, you get a map of the bottom of Lake Michigan. Well, we can tell you where things aren't. And with enough time, where things are. Yep. Yeah. Well, for me, it's do more diving than I did this year. I got Jim to agree to it. So he's, he's committed to at least one dive a month. Because there's a few months where he didn't make it in the water. Uh-huh. And then I've got to figure out some way to get a dry suit. So that'll be... Oh, talking about dry suit. I have his sitting over here for you, you know. Ah. Yeah, he mentioned... Sitting, yeah. yeah, it's sitting in my, in my living room waiting for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to give it a try. I mean, it's it's worth... Uh, you know, it's even worth if, foot on. Even if it is going to be a semi-dry, that's still warmer than what I've got. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking, I haven't been in the water probably in about six weeks... So I am just dreading my next dive in this cold because it's uh, – I think my 7 mil is more like a 3.5 in some spots a little less. I You're just a good bit bigger than I am because I've got that one suit I haven't worn for four years. I got it out the other day. Darn thing suit fits me, and the zippers work. So it's like if that if that fits you, you're more than welcome to have that. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, when you come over, I'll get that out and have that by your bag. Yeah, I'll I'll try anything at this point. Well, now, since we are talking diving, uh, 
We are going to go to Our World Underwater in Rosemont, Chicago. Okay. It's going to be February 15th, so put it on your calendar. Okay, February 15th. Right. I do not know of anyone going to volunteer from the club. Uh, Schultz may, because he was originally not going to be back from Florida, but he's going to be back, so he may be going. And that's with the guys out of uh, Wolf Dive Shop. Yeah. On February 22nd is Great Lakes Shipwreck Festival, or the Ford Seahorses. So I don't know who's going to that yet. And then March the 15th, 14th and 15th is Go Ships. And Bob will be that one or going up there. So maybe you can show the colors. And the same weekend is Scuba Fest in Columbus, Ohio. And that's the only one I'm thinking about going to. Think yeah. don't know. Yeah, I, I, that one sounds a little interesting to me as well. Yeah. But for sure, Rosemont, so maybe we can get the word out. Anybody want to see us from your radio audience? Uh, we can make a plan to be at a per- certain place at high noon or something. And uh, they can say, oh, my God, I met these famous people. And Darren can sign autographs. Yeah, yeah, we could do something like that. Yeah. And then I've already updated the uh, events calendar with no dates. But if you look at it, we've got Freezer Tush. That'll be the first dive for SAS for the cold water stuff. Uh, we've got all the Wednesday dives coming up from SAS during the summer. You've got Meet and Greet in Gilboa. And then we're going to hit Magician, Cora, Paw Paw, the Rockaway, Piranha, Carainan Barge, the Pier Dives, the Havana, Max Rec, the Ironsides, the St. Joe River Drift Dive. We're going to make that an annual because we've got a lot of people saying, I want to go, I want to go. Uh, yeah. You've got your Harbor Five. We've got the Muskegon, the Breakwater in Michigan City, the Steak Fry. We've got uh, the Wreck Diving in Mackinac, Sheboygan. And then we've got the Duncan Bay, Sheboygan River Diving the following weekend. I mean, look how much stuff we've got already. Yeah, we haven't even started. You're still, because I don't think you got Ann Arbor 5 on there, did you? Yes, Ann Arbor 5. We have that, okay. the annual Ann Arbor 5 dive. Yeah, I got, I got some wrecks around Chicago I'd like to do. Yeah, it might yeah, be good I mean, to go and hit those up again. The turkey Day Dive. Yeah, Turkey Day Dive. Well, the Club uh, Steak Dive. Nobody's this year. Um, Hopefully. Nobody knows, though. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to be the body, you could always call us at no. Um, yeah, preferably not. Uh, what's, yeah, yeah, there's... I mean, th- those are just the standard ones, too. There's, And then whatever we find. So you've got mowing the lawn mixed in there, too. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll have to start the Minutemen group up again. Yeah. You, you're familiar with the Minutemen, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. I've always got my gear in the back of my car. Because uh, to be a Minuteman, <laughs> it, when you work in St. Joe and you leave from St. Joe, there's no sense in driving home and coming back. So yeah. everything's everything's with me. So for those who don't know the Minutemen are those people who are going to have all their gear together. So if somebody calls them up and say, hey, we're going out, do you want to go? You can't say, I don't have my gear together. Yep. Because sometime on the big lake, when it's flat, you go out. And that, oh, yeah. that's usually going to be after work. Mm-hmm. After 530, you just got to have your gear ready to roll. Yeah. You know what we need to add to the calendar is a break-in boat day. Because it always seems like those first few lake dives of the year always end up being getting everybody's boat started that's true so we could do uh you know dive uh the, some of the outtakes and uh you know the the, the newly discovered clay banks you know, well just the water intake structures for people who haven't been there is worth 20 minute dive yeah. it's wow. a safe pretty safe yeah i've i've and when we say intake these aren't active anymore this is uh no longer active yeah, but <laughs> yeah, well, you, you do not want to go venturing down that intake structure. No. The pipe. 
No, but it's not like you're going to look in and then it's going to somebody's going to turn the blender on and you're going to get sucked up. It's not being used. Not should not be. I since we're not <laughs> near the switch that says on and off. Yeah, don't. So, yeah, you keep so, your hand firmly attached to the ladder. So, so you're saying that they don't have any lockout tag out for us? That's absolutely correct, and you assume the worst when you go down there. Yeah. So it's a, still a neat one to take photos from the inside out. And the, the key to remember is that hole gets very small before it gets to the end. So if you get caught in it, you're screwed, buddy. There is no intake tunnel bay for you to get into and, and get out. Yeah, so something early in the year where we get to break in all the boats would be nice. I wouldn't be a bit surprised, though, if we get out of the piers before the ice goes away and dive under the ice there. Oh, yeah, we got to do that. We did that a couple years ago. I don't think we got, actually got under the ice. Bob's boat. Bob got saying, trapped I, in the ice. <laughs> well, I wasn't there that time, but uh, uh, there was one year where he said, ah, I should have brought the boat out. I think that was before I'd actually gone diving with him on No, I have I dove on his boat by that time. The nice part about the boat is you tie a real good tagline on the boat, you ain't pulling that under. You can find your way back to the boat. You're, you're, you're not pulling a Zodiac. Yeah. You're not pulling a Zodiac underwater. No, you're not. Nah. Yeah. Well, unless you've seen the movie Fool's Gold. Have you seen that, Mac? Yes, I have. <laughs> that that is the one thing I do not want to see is a boat coming down after me. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we got a full year planned. So I'd yeah. like to thank thank everybody who's listening. You can follow us on Scuba Obsessed. Dot com. Also, we're on Facebook, and I like some more likes over there. I'm going to start pushing for some likes this week. So, uh, if you can get tell your friends about us, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Scuba Obsessed. We're also on the Google Plus. I'm doing a little bit more over there. That's uh, www.google.com plus Scuba Obsessed. Also, follow us on Twitter, and we have news feeds. We have news just about every day, so you can get us on Scoop It. We have links from the website. Also, the Mud Club is mudclub.scubaobsessed.com, and that's about a lot of activity going over there. And I think we are to that time of the show. All right. So let's see. I've got a couple to choose from here. Close your eyes and poke. Hopefully I haven't told this one. A diver goes to the doctor. The doctor says, well, I've got bad news. You've got an inoperable tumor, and you also have Alzheimer's. The guy says, well, at least I don't have an inoperable tumor. I hadn't heard that before. Okay. Okay, so so that, that was a new one. Until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe.